Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Frederick County podcast. I'm Adam Cubbage, one of the leadership guides and the host for today's podcast. Today, we get to prepare ourselves for Health and Human Services Day, which will prove to be a very fun and fascinating day. And that's for a variety of reasons, one of which my favorite topics to talk about is servant leadership. And so after we talk to Nikki Thrash about what you guys are going to get to see and experience on Friday, we'll then talk about Jim Collins' idea of level five leadership. Then we'll look at John Maxwell's 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and see how both of those ideas tie together into this concept called servant leadership. And as with most of the concepts that we've talked about here over these past several months, you'll see that it's a lot deeper and more intricate than most people think. But without droning on too much about that, I want to go ahead and just jump right in and hear what Nikki has to say about Health and Human Services Day. Hey, everyone. So with us today, we have Nikki Thrash, who is the representative for the Nonprofit Alliance with Leadership Frederick County. Nikki, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. So we're super excited to hear all about Health and Human Services Day. And I wanted to know from you first, what do you want the LFC students to get out of Health and Human Services Day? I I would like... It's here's the vision. Here's the vision. Let me say that there's a general perception that when we talk about health and human services, we're talking about how a community cares for the neediest of its citizens, the most vulnerable among us. And I believe that one of the lessons, one of the many lessons we learned from our COVID pandemic now entering its third year is that we're all vulnerable in one way or another in more ways than we could have imagined. And that health and human services aren't really just about those people. It's about all of us. So what I, what the vision for this day is to kind of pull back the aperture and look at health and health and human services as a piece of the fabric of Frederick, rather than talking about individual agencies and the great work they do, because we only have a few hours in this day, and that's not enough time to cover it all. And what we want to focus on is the collaboration within the field and the resulting tapestry of services that that makes Frederick so unique. Someone called it the special sauce that makes Frederick. And so, and and about the collaborative leadership that happens in order to make it work. So, so we're focusing on partnership, leadership, collaborating, and I, I want the class to see this as as more of a strategic look. Like, how does health and human services fit into the business community? Because it's a really, really critical part. And and you might not think so. So, so take a look at it, and when you look deeper about that. Think about it's not just a, a business being a sponsor for an event, so to speak. There's other there's other things that we can be supportive of each other. And so I think that's that's one of the things that I, I think is really important about this day. That's fantastic. I like hearing that. And the imagery of the tapestry for me is really powerful because it having gone through LFC before, I know it to 
I know what I experienced and just how amazed I was, like you're saying, how this all fits into the community and how everything ties together. That was my experience a few years ago. What are the current students going to get to experience and what are some of the highlights coming up on Friday? So we wanted to give the class a couple of different opportunities. First of all, I know everybody doesn't like to just sit and listen all day. So for all the content providers, conversation has been about conversation. So in the first part of the day, we're going to break up into four different groups and we'll kind of do a round robin of four topic areas, say two of them. And I don't know, do you want me to go into the, what it is, or do you want to surprise them? It, it's up to you. You're the content <laughs> provider. So if you want, you know. So, so we're going to, I may as well give it to you and then you can be thinking about it. And maybe the class can be thinking about the things they'd like to ask, um, the things sure. they'd like to know. But again, with the idea of collaboration, partnership and connecting the first, we're going to have a keynote keynote talk, which is going to kind of put the whole day together. And that's going to be Josh Pedersen, um, who's now with United Way Worldwide. And he had been, he was actually in my leadership class. We were, we together were voted the two to speak at our graduation. So it's kind of fun working back with him again. That's awesome. And so then we're going to move into this small group discussions. And basically there'll be four topic areas. One of them will be the director of 211 for Frederick that is going to be there, um, Susie Borg. And 211 is how the community and all of us can connect to each other. So I thought that was an important place to start. Carrie McHugh, who's with Helen J. Serini Foundation, is going to be talking about Frederick Funders. One of the things that occurred at the very start of the pandemic was an incredible collaboration among the funders in our community to to pool together resources to help the community through the earliest parts of the pandemic. And and that's been ongoing. So that collaborative work among funders is actually really, really unique. And um, so we've invited Carrie to to talk a bit about that. We're going to be at the arc of Frederick all day. And so we want the class to have a chance to experience hand, hands-on, what does that mean? What happens at the ARC and why is that important to health and human services of our community? Mission of Mercy is going to be there with their remote or their mobile uh, van. And again, it's going to be a hands-on experience to see exactly how that service works in our community um, and how that connects to us. Then we're going to have two individuals talk about their personal personal journeys, their personal leadership journeys, and how that journey led them to each to a, a movement that is changing the community. And we feel like, and I'm I'm not revealing all the names, okay? That's fine. That's fine. You have to wait. Sell, you have to wait sell for the that. sizzle, not the steak. There you go. <laughs> so so we'll have these two incredible leadership stories. And how they take that that personal experience into the community and make important community change. We've arranged for a panel. There's going to be a panel discussion. And again, I'm I'm trying to encourage the panel to to respond to questions. And so we're 
I think we may have already, we're putting out a survey to the class asking for them to submit questions in advance so we can prepare the panelists. And basically what we want to do is, because we're all kind of tired of just repeating the stories of COVID, but there's been incredible lessons in COVID that have moved these organizations forward. And there've been innovations that were that have come together because of the pandemic that have now moved moved all of us forward. And so we want to kind of take a look at that and talk about that. And the organizations include Nick, Nick Brown from the Religious Coalition, Shannon Alshire from the Mental Health Association, Inga James with Hartley House, and Malcolm Fergal with the Frederick County Healthcare Coalition. And we chose those organizations because they have such a broad reach in the community. And they are organizations with whom so many others are connected in order to serve those clients in, in various ways. And with the, with the pandemic, the importance of, the, of everyone's mental health is so critical that we, we just really wanted to focus on that as well. And then of course, we'll have Frederick Health is going to talk to us about what's happening at Frederick Health and really kind of how it all ties together, you know, cause they're the big guy in the community. So that's, that's the day. And I, I tried to, we really wanted to make sure that people felt engaged, that they had an opportunity to ask questions and really dive in and not just listen. And we wanted them to get up and move around so they wouldn't be like bored. And I didn't want to be using a bus and going from place to place because that just wastes time. And this is such a big topic and we wanted to fill in every moment we could. So that's, that's kind of the overview. That's awesome. You can let your panel know that last time, last one in government day when we had the panel, the class was uh, very, very engaged with the panel <laughs> and asked a lot of tough questions. So you can prep your panel. Excellent. For that. Excellent. That's good to know. So I know when I came out of it a few years ago, I had this just like what do I do with all this? Like what? Oh my gosh. How can I, you know, be more involved? What can I do? So in retrospect, thinking of that, what do we want or what's something you want this, the current students to think about in the days in this week leading up to health and human services day? You know, I, in my personal leadership journey, LFC was pivotal for me and Health and Human Services Day, along with some of the other days along in that year, helped me recognize that I needed to be working in this field, that this feeling that I had of needing to do something more wasn't going away, and I didn't know where to put it, and I didn't know what to do with it, and an opportunity came up for me to work at the Mental Health Association, and it changed my, it changed my career path, and I don't know that everybody in the class can change their career path, obviously. However, I'm hoping that with what will happen is there'll be connections made, that everyone will be able to see the influence that, that they can have on another human being's life in some way. And maybe it's going to be serving on a board and maybe it's going to be volunteering or maybe it's just going to be awareness so that when they see an employee struggling, that they know that there's a walk-in clinic that they can go to for mental health support. So I think that there's, there's a lot of pieces. There's a lot of connecting that can happen and, and just opening the conversation 
and normalizing the conversation around health and human services. So it's not about other people. It's about us. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I remember, I don't know if you guys did that exercise that Rick had us do where we mapped out all the agencies and places and companies we knew. Right. Yes. Yeah. And I, I just remember how awestruck I was at, at the magnitude of that, but also thinking about health and human services, how they're connected almost to each and every one of those. Exactly. Right? So yeah. if you, yeah, as I think as the students pull back and look and see just how much of our lives this touches without us realizing it. Yeah. That's going to be. It's, it's, it's yeah. pretty overwhelming. It's pretty cool. And the, and that's one of the things we're trying to help the class see. We'll try and help to make those connections if if they're if they're not able to or if they're kind of close to it. I'm hoping there'll be a lot of aha moments with the class. But yeah, this is it's 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 important to me. I just if for so many reasons, um, the work that we all do and the people that are involved in these organizations are just so passionate about helping other people in any way that they can. And the relationships we create when we're in Leadership Frederick and when we're part of this fraternity, sorority, whatever we wanna call it, like you said, the connections are just, they make our life so much better. Yeah. They really do. Well, Nikki, thank you so much for giving us all a sneak peek into into what we can expect. Uh, is there I anything else? I hope I didn't give you too much. I hope I didn't like, you no, know. No, no, no. I think it's just the, just the right amount. Okay. Right? To get everybody teased. So they're they're really looking forward to it. And uh, is there anything else you want to add in or let them know? Nope. Just we're all, we're looking forward to it and looking forward to their, to their engagement and, and input. All right. Perfect. Well, Nikki, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, Adam. What did I tell you? Just another great interview. So let's move over to the leader's corner where we can talk about the first concept I want to bring up is the idea of level five leadership. So if you've ever heard somebody use the term getting the right people in the right seats or getting people on the bus, that comes from Jim Collins book, Good to Great. And that was published back in 2001 and is pretty much a seminal work in leadership and management. And the idea is that there's this paradoxical blend of humility and drive amongst certain people who are really just focused on the good of the people and the organization. And we call those level five leaders. So one thing to take away is that you can trained to be a level five leader, but there are certain, I guess, prerequisites that Jim Collins talks about. Morality and ethics being probably the key ones at the beginning. So the idea is if you lack, you know, moral fiber and don't really have either a personal code of ethics or something that you use as your North Star, then likely being a level five leader is out of reach for you. That said, my interaction with most of you has led me to believe that that is not the case, right? I've seen 
talked to and interacted with you all and can say, I think with some confidence, a lot of confidence, that you all are driven by, have a passion for helping, for service, and have a good moral center of gravity. And so that's why I feel comfortable introducing this topic to you all. Now, at the bottom, we have, I think we're, most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we've all been, is the level one, the highly capable individual. Now, these are the people who, through their hard work, diligent effort, knowledge, skills, abilities, they're productive, they contribute, you know, they're in there doing all the right things. Those are level one. Eventually, they migrate to level two, which is the contributing team member. Those are the folks who are, you know, really, really good team players. They want to bring their talents to help the team achieve those group objectives. But there's still that desire to be recognized, noticed for their contributions, which is fine. We've all been there. We like it when we get a pat on the back. And honestly, I think that's the right place to be for a lot of young emergent leaders because then that takes them to being a level three competent manager. This is the idea where you start putting the right people in the right seats. These competent managers, they're able to organize really effectively and efficiently the people, resources, technology, all of the things around them that work towards accomplishing goals and objectives. The big idea here, though, is that these goals and objectives, the things that these competent managers are working towards, are already predetermined. And that's important because to become effective, to become that level four and five leader, this is where managers go to leaders in that they start casting a vision. And so level four, we have those effective leaders. They're really able to bring people together and get them excited and you know we say catalyze commitment get them really enthusiastic supportive you know in pursuit of this compelling idea this vision this mission level four leaders are tremendous force of nature they really get a lot of stuff done however The thing that separates those level four from the level five leaders is that the level four still have that, say, twinge of wanting to be recognized or are pursuing whatever grandiose vision for themselves. Level four leaders are the ones that are looking at how can I get ahead? How can I get promoted? How can I make a difference? How can I do this? And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I've been there. I'm sure many of you have as well. But it's when that passion, that energy, that drive for something bigger than yourself takes over. That's where these level five leaders emerge. We call those, or Jim Collins calls those executive leaders, level five leaders. They are really concerned with building this enduring greatness, this legacy, this idea that they are so committed and passionate to that they understand and recognize 
in order to do that, they have to make everyone around them better. They want to do that. And regardless of any circumstances around them, they are just absolutely driven to accomplish a mission, not for themselves, but for their people and for the organization. And if you've ever been fortunate enough to be around somebody like that, you'll understand. Level five leaders are truly the transformational difference makers, the folks that are the ones moving a big idea forward. And the funny thing is, you know, Jim Collins is not shy when he talks about this paradox, this idea that these people have a huge mix of this personal humility where they know that they're really not at the center of anything, that they're maximizing other people's skills, talents, strengths, but they have this indomitable will. They know that they're going to get this thing done, first and foremost, because of the cause. They really are truly passionate about it. And as was put in the handouts, the predominant theme that permeated these 11 companies out of the 1,400 plus that Jim Collins looked at had these level five leaders. Also on that handout is a hyperlink where you can hear Jim Collins talk about what level five leadership actually looks like in action. And I think that idea dovetails nicely into another prolific leadership author, John Maxwell. One of his seminal works back in the late 90s was what he wrote as the 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. Now, they're included in your handout. I'm not going to read through all 21, but if you take a look at them and hold them up to the different levels of leadership that Collins has, I think you'll start to see how they ascend in order and touch upon one another. So I don't want to go too far into that. That's just my personal, I guess, way of looking at it. But those 21 irrefutable laws, those are really good. So when you read them, you know, you can read it as the law of the lid, the law of and so forth. And Maxwell talks about this idea that it starts off with you, the leader, learning to increase your own personal capacity. And then somewhere along the way, it switches to really helping other people grow, to help them get better, to invest more into them than you are in yourself. And ultimately, it winds up with looking at the organization, the legacy that you want to leave behind, the value that you are leaving is measured by the impact that you're having. And that's important because those, to me, are what tie this idea of servant leadership together. So when we look at it, and I'm always, I'll say, apprehensive, reserved when somebody says, oh, I'm a servant leader. I'm thinking in in the back of my head, are you really, though? Because from my experience, a lot of people aren't really sure 
what that means. They just think it means, oh, I, you know, do good things for other people. But it is so much deeper than that. So first we should talk that it started back in 1970 with a gentleman named Robert Greenleaf. He wrote about this and it started with his focus on the leader's behaviors. And that's where it started. This idea that servant leaders behave a certain way. So, for example, they're able to understand the bigger idea, the purpose and the mission, which Greenleaf talks about as conceptualizing kind of the why. Why are we doing this? But they're also very sensitive to other people's concerns, recognizing that not everyone has the same level of knowledge, skills, experience, education, but also that people are a product of their experience. So those that have had bad mentors, bad leaders, bad managers, bad people in their lives are going to act or react a certain way. And a servant leader recognizes that and gives their followers this place to emotionally heal. Now, the foremost behavior in a servant leader is that they put their followers first, ahead of themselves, ahead of the obstacles, the challenges that are surrounding them. They put others first and they are focused on helping those people to grow, to succeed, to achieve their visions and aspirations for themselves. And they're behaving ethically the whole time. Never once are they thinking, what's in this for me? Or how can I, you know, use this to my advantage? They are always doing the right thing. Moreover, they're empowering their people. They're looking to their followers and trying to really encourage this idea of standing on your own two feet, making your own decisions, taking care of your own challenges, while at the same time looking at how they can invest in and give back to the community they're in, whatever community that is. That could be a geographic community. It could be a community of interest. It could be a community of practice. It's not necessarily tied to one place or thing. They just know that they have this sense of community and they want to give back because for them, they feel like they have a moral obligation to do that. Now, others have picked up the mantle of Greenleaf and run with this idea of servant leadership and looked at it and studied it and came up with 10 universal characteristics. And that's not to say that if you're lacking or not strong in one of those that you can't or are not a servant leader, that's not what that means. What it does mean is that this is the default setting for people who are servant leaders where this is what they tend towards and are working on in themselves. This idea of listening and empathy and healing, you know, being aware and and in tune with what's going on around them, seeing the bigger picture, explaining that to others and getting them to buy in on how that will help transform a community. That is what servant leaders do. That's what they're known for. That's what they are all about. It says, you know, servant leadership begins with this natural inclination that first and foremost, people want to serve. And as we go through Friday and see and meet a bunch of different folks in the community for Health and Human Services Day, I think you're going to see clearly how servant leadership plays itself out. Now, There are many of you who are thinking, am I a servant leader? Or I know I'm a servant leader. Well, if you're so sure, there is a questionnaire in the back of your packet that has 28 questions. The idea is for you to give that survey to two people, have them fill it out, give it back to you, 
add up the scores, divide by two, and then place your answers at the bottom. You can technically do this for yourself, and that's a self-assessment to see where you're at with your servant leadership. But in reality, if we really want to know how others perceive us, if they see us as a servant leader, then you can pass this out. Now, this ties to one of the other concepts that Jim Collins had in his book, Good to Great, which is we as leaders need to confront the brutal facts. So if we're really inspired to make change and we really want to see ourselves or we really want to be servant leaders, then this is a great exercise for you to see how other people perceive you. Now, some of you just had that gurgle in your stomach Like when you've eaten Taco Bell, I get it. It's not always pleasant to think about and receive feedback from others about something you consider yourself to be or not be. And to that, I will say, so what? This is that point where you need to lean into the discomfort if you're serious about making yourself a better leader. But with that, we are running upon our time. And I want to say thank you guys very much. I really look forward to Friday. I've got a really cool exercise for us all to participate in. I think you guys will get a kick out of that. But for now, I want you all to go out there and do great things. Be the kind of leaders that I know you can be. Have a great day.